Hello and welcome to One Rule It End. It's the movie podcast where we watch the movies and we says, is they good? Mm. And uh, we are, of course, doing the film series Scream. Why are you wearing... You're wearing a whole jacket. I'm really happy you brought that up. First off, you're sitting there with your hand in your pocket as though you're chilly. So I'm sitting here very comfortably in my jacket. Got my hand on my wallet in case you try to nab it from me while I'm talking, not paying attention. That's not it on the floor? (laughs) Get the fuck out of here, you fucking... You fucking rube. You fell for the old... Oh, is it you're in the floor? Well, I knew it wasn't it, but I was curious what you're pointing at. You know, I'm a, I'm a man of curiosities because it, it's right here. A man, a I, I was I was touching it while you pointed, but I was like, maybe it's another wallet I can have. Sorry, we, I was watching clips of Jimmy Conn and Thief just <laughs> yeah, now. So one I'm, of his classic, uh, yeah, attempts to L- steal shit. Literally unutterable quotes from Thief. But yeah, yeah do so it. I was trying to do like the movie taught me because what we learned from Scream is that you see movie, you're gonna do it. Right, right, right. At the end, good of the point. Day. Yeah. So I saw Thief. You <laughs> <laughs> so went to the adoption the two, agency. The two, clip, the two clips I watched. I'm the last fucking guy you want to fucking fuck with, fucker. Yeah. They gotta make you know. We were just saying they don't make movies like that anymore. They can't because uh, you know uh, society. Mm-hmm. It's bad now. Welcome to the show, Charles. I'm wearing a jacket because it, it it's a rainy morning here in beautiful uh, Berkshire County. It's still beautiful even when it rains. Exactly, it's it's resplendent in the in the showers from heaven above, and uh, I feel very snug. Mm-hmm. Wearing my jacket, it's very comfortable. New? It's it's. I haven't had a a new jacket in a while. It looks great. Thank you. I walked down the street to a hardware store, uh, yeah. bought it, and walked oh, back. And people don't realize that about the hardware store. It's not just screwdrivers and um, I don't know planers and bandsaws. Uh, various varnishes. Sure. Oh. Yeah, I, see, I already forgot about those. Maybe you can get a big green egg there if you're trying to drop really? serious coins. See, this is, I was about to make a point about the things I knew at a hardware store that most don't, but I apparently have no idea. Well, I'm saying it's a broad spectrum of, of wares. Mm-hmm. Wheelbarrows. 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 I have yeah. to say, I'm playing Baldur's Gate 2 again right now, and something that I'm struck mm-hmm. with is that instantly... No wheelbarrow. Once you make it out of the first dungeon, when you're in... Joaquin's Promenade, the sheer array of high level, like it's like every vendor in the, it's like the 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 biggest market in the game is the first thing you experience. Like the first thing That's you see is be. like people selling like fifty thousand gold enchanted axes <laughs> yeah. that could kill every enemy in one that. hit, and they're, they're just like you will be able to get to here someday. And I, I, it's great game design, I think, where the first thing you're met with is, oh my god, I'm so underpowered and poor right now, but later, oh boy, it's the American fireworks. dream, the Baldur's dream, yeah. Yeah, that's what we all do. We all love the gate. Yeah, we all think about the things we should be buying, but then look at our little pocketbooks and it's empty. That's why we bust out a credit card and load it, load it, load it. Put it on the plastic. So today we're talking about 2000's Scream 3, directed once again. Was it 99 or 2000? It was released in 2000. It was shot in 99. Okay. Because I had a hard time finding it. You had a hard time finding Scream 3. Well, it was on my... It was on my Paramount Plus. Nope. It's on my hard drive because I ripped it when I was working at the Coolidge Corner Theater because we had the box set for a midnight show. Okay, or you could have streamed it on Amazon Plus. I didn't want to use that. Okay, fine. It's the worst of apps. It's pretty I didn't dead, to, I yeah. couldn't trust it. Amazon Plus, the mobile app, does a thing with football games where they don't automatically return you to live... So if there's any lag, they just permanently assume you want to be locked into that lag. Mm. I, I, I like that. Perpetuum. I respect that. No. I, want to be, I don't want to miss a thing. The miracle Some of live shit on your fucking phone. Can you believe if if in Baldur's Gate 2 you could watch NFL games on your phone? Be stuck in lag. That's an immersive fantasy experience. Because I miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss That's a thing. That's the prime motto. I don't want to miss a thing. It's not Prime we're talking about. It's Paramount Plus. Oh, then it's bad. But surely you're talking about Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime. I thought that's what you were talking about. Didn't you say that Amazon Prime did that for football? Where you get stuck in lag? No, no, Paramount Plus. Oh, of course they do. Yeah, bad, bad platform. Don't like I still, I still respect that. I don't want to miss a thing. As I've said repeatedly, don't want to miss a thing. And he's saying a little. But of course, today we speak of 2000's Scream 3, directed by the one and only Wes Craven, but this time, crucially, not directly written by Kevin Williamson. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, this is they they we change as we often uh, check on the show, and I've actually put my reference points up here. Oh, that's great. So, uh, Aaron Kruger, Aaron Kruger. How do you spell that? Whoa, E H R E N Kruger. Shit, can you say that again? Aaron Kruger, E H E R N. He wrote three of the original Transformer film series: Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, and Age of Extinction. We got to do those. In addition to the American version of The Ring and its sequel, The Ring Two, and of course, he wrote the Ghost in the Shell wow, movie. Wow, this. Oh, I knew this name sounded familiar. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, he's been involved. And apparently, we'll see. He'll get uncredited rewrites on Scream Four. So clearly, though, this critically, I think, was a. Uh, Poorly received compared to the rest of the series. Yeah, people don't uh, like it, but you know what? Spoiler alert! Whatever, I loved it. Best dream. Well, that's very interesting to me. I think this is easily my least favorite of the that's original so trilogy, funny. and yet a four out of five for me on Letterboxd because yeah. I so enjoyed watching it. And I want if we're gonna do spoiler alert, I'll jump in here. There has maybe never been a stronger MVP candidacy put forward yeah. than Miss Parker Posey in this movie, who shows up ready to fuck and absolutely annihilates the movie. Yeah. It is so wonderful that in a series that, as I've been praising it this entire time, has made the array of light just poured into pa- we're the room. We're talking Parker Posey we're, and, we're talking, talking, and the light just comes pouring into the room. You bring up P squared and God herself. Clap, See what clap, I did there? Clap, clap, yeah. clap, no, clap. Let's, let, let's, let's let that linger for let's a minute. Let's bask in that. God herself. Capital? No capital? With the H or the G? Mm-hmm, the H. H. Yeah, capital H. Capital, capital H. H. Yeah. Capital H. God and capital capital G. Too. Oh, you wanted to spell the name earlier? It's E H. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> R E. That's grandmother. Space corner. Kuga. 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 Oh, so he, oh my God! So he wrote. Oh shit! The, the Brothers Grimm. He wrote the script of the TV adaptation of the legendary bomb, The Brothers Grimm. Who isn't that? Matt Damon. Okay, it's barely not a bomb. I think it's a bomb. I bet if you factor in marketing, that's oh, a bomb. Yeah. That's an incredibly small margin. I mean, just also you can retroactively call something a bomb if it's actually terrible, even if it made lots of money. I think you could call it a disaster. It's wild that like it, looking like this is a movie that does not exist. Like no one has ever thought about this movie. But, you know, this is a Matt Damon, Heath Ledger. Incredible. And again, Peter Stormare, who is like just one of the great yep. character actors, and Lena Headley pre uh, Game yeah. of Thrones and, and pre, uh, pre Dread for people who understand what good art is. She must have been a babe. The great Jonathan Price, the inimicable, inimitable, 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 what? inimitable Monica what? Bellucci. So maybe we should watch. It. We should check out. I hate, uh, this is a thing that I've always had to live with, but I really don't like Terry Gilliam. I just he does not work for me, and that's completely I completely understand. Yeah. I, with a lot of Terry Gilliam's work, I find that for everything that I'm really impressed by, there's two things that I despise. Though I do think yes. Brazil is an excellent film, and I think that that is his magnum opus. I think and I so think it too. Stands abreast of a lot of his other stuff. Like I, like a lot of people, I tried to watch like B- the Adventures of Baron Munchausen or whatever, Ugh. and it's like. It was almost unwatchable, though some of the production is crazy and inspired and fascinating. Almost everything else about, for example, that incredibly whimsical shit sucks. He's like, for me, if like, um, who's the guy that just did the Elvis movie that I'd ate? Well, Mama, you're Mr. talking Baz, about Mr. Mr. Baz? Baz Lerman. Yeah, he's like if ba- like ba- the American Baz Lerman who spent too much time hanging out with Monty Python. I- I'm just saying like Zoomers out there, if any of you listen to this podcast, there's a 2005 movie starring Matt Damon, Heath Ledger, Peter Stormare, Lena Headley, Jonathan Price, and Mon- Monica Bellucci that no one fucking that talks no one about liked. anymore and ever needed and barely made money. If what was the, what's the RT score? What's the, is, uh, it, is it certified uh, in any one way? Certified. One way or the other, certification. Can we get some certification? Uh, looks like thirty-eight percent in the old. That's a RT. splatter. We got ourselves a splatter. Yikes! What's some um, Scream Three's RT? Uh, Scream Three's RT is l- above that, but not terribly. Let's see. It looks like it is a forty-one percent. Damn! Isn't it nuts that th- this is the shit that I absorb so effortlessly? Mm. Like I could just tell you without looking. Right. That well, it was just, slightly just above. Looked. But that's true. I'll give you that. I know. It's interesting. Um, so you do you, do that well. Well, like, I, I think yeah. it's the sporto brain. It's, it's the like, sporto brain. Yeah. I don't have a sporto's brain. Well, when we watch TV, especially televised sports, you're always saying, stat that, Josh. Because mm-hmm. that's what I love. I don't even like What I like to do is actually just turn the saturation down. I What I used to do before everything went digital was I'd like crank the channel knob just out of range so everything would be sort of hard to see. You know what I'm talking about? 
old TVs? Yeah, old TVs. Yeah, yeah. And then I desaturated to the point where it was like just barely not black and white. And then um, flip it on its side. Hey, That's here, how I like to watch sports. Question. It's nice to have someone from your generation with me. Mm-hmm. What was it like when TV was invented and you learned that you could watch moving pictures in your own home? Just, uh, you had to just... Be, um, did be, you did you enjoy going up on the roof anything? to adjust the aerial? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Classic. That was a Saturday afternoon. I lost how, so how many children. You those so many children there? lost in that activity. Yeah. You know what I say? It's worth it. How many? How about, how about uh, adjusting areolas? Do you ever do that? Squeak. Squeak, squeak. Yeah. So today we're speaking about, of course, uh, a little movie called Scream the Third. And you know, it's because we've been talking about Scream and Scream 2, we figured, why not? We should probably you know, just do Scream right. 3. So something that I think I'm very interested in is that um, we, I feel like in our era of the 21st century, are living in the great era of consequences, where basically a lot of checks got cashed in the 20th century that just uh, are bouncing wicked hard now, where essentially a lot of our uh, failure to preserve democratic institutions, a lot of our failure to protect against climate change, a lot of our failure to uh, pretty much accommodate almost every level of humanity on a basic level of respect. Seemingly, all of those efforts have been for naught, and we seem to be sliding off of a cliff into a much more precipitous, totalitarian, frightening world. And what I find fascinating about the Scream series is that every installment insists on dealing with almost every ramification and echo of the preceding installments. And the fact that Scream 3 is once again all about trying to understand what happens when your entire life is consumed by violence, it it continues that. And the fact that this is continually about dealing with the echoes and the, the fallout of the previous installments, I really love that about this series, is that so far... Pretty much all of these decisions have consequences, and we see the characters continue to deal with them over the course of the series. Yeah, this is, I feel this even more so than the second one. I, I know what you're saying about the second one. For me, it didn't work for other reasons, but this just like, the fact that Sydney, Sydney, right? Sydney, main character? Sydney? You should know this. I'm sorry. Yeah. You should know this. Uh, the great Nev Campbell's defining pop culture role. Her like if you Sydney just, Prescott. You know there's a there's a, there's a theory out there that you just watch you can you can watch um, the opening scene and the ending scene and you can feel something about a movie. I feel like that's this is one of those movies. The fact that she starts well, maybe she's in the opening scene. Sorry, skip like 15 minutes in. That's the theory. You skip 15 minutes in, watch that scene, and then you can skip to the end. Watch that scene. The fact that she goes from being lock, double locked security. And working for as like a, I don't know if a it's crisis a, center yeah. for a crisis center. It's presumably, just working with people who've been assaulted, which is a fascinating. That alone yeah. is such a like a very like I don't know that I would have thought to do that as a writer. Well, but, but then also like, the fact that this like and again the Wikipedia has a whole section on this. I'm not saying like I'm the genius who thought of this. You don't have to tell people that this deals with the ramifications of like this is a Miramax movie made by Harvey. No, I was going to talk about that. that. Is, like. Objectively, about Hollywood about as Harvey a place Weinstein. of abuse and reckoning for women and uh, unchecked. Yeah, like it's crazy how far ahead of time all of these movies feel. Certainly, watching this twenty-two years later, and I, I do think Scream Three is a flawed movie that, in my mind, ultimately lacks some of the articulation of two that I loved so much on a, on a character level. Wow. The fact that it's like wading into these waters is so impressive and interesting. And again, I don't think it gets as deep in those things as it could or should, I would argue. But hmm. that said, dealing what with... What do you the, mean? Sorry. I, I think what, they sort of is, gloss what... over... That, that, that's such a fascinating well to dive into. Yeah. And they sort of allude to a lot of that without... Wait, wait allude to a lot of what? Like the rape and abuse and... It's like the central point of the, the story. But it's, but it's made in reference to the emotional impact that it makes on... Spoiler! Three, two, one... Roman, so nice of you. Yeah, Sydney's secret half brother, the result of the Hollywood rape. It mostly is about him and his distance. I, I think it'd be. I don't think so. But Maybe I'm saying we, we, we don't get really like we, uh, Lance Hendrickson's like, yep, yeah, sure, a lot of rape happened back then. But you I know, think it's about you know Sydney too. But that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying we're, that whole world is mostly felt in its impact on the on the characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. When in my mind. That's like such a that's such a fucked up like you know what if they discover this cabal of like there's I think there's so more to like juice a out of that eyes wide shut yeah absolutely ending. and I'm not complaining in a hardcore way I'm just saying like that's that's such a fascinating and bleak world and I think it would have brought I could have stood for more of that I think since every woman character in this movie except no all of them all of them have that story and I think that was really maybe that's something that didn't quite 
sink in or maybe you didn't read it on wikipedia page you so piece you of shit so you off. didn't feel it as much you but like literally every off. actor in the movie who's who's a woman has a part of her story being I, that and she I understand that got I'm saying, raped it, to get where it, she it is could have been i think it, that could have gone I, farther i don't need more okay well we disagree on that but again yeah, i think it would have been way too you're, much you're coming in hot right now because you've as usual because of your i'm gonna go ahead and accuse you on air that you have been so poisoned against second movies no, it's changed I'll give over you a time. Fucking break, I will not give you a fucking break. No, this this I'm going to talk about. Two this. is just better than this in every way. It's not. It definitely it's worse is. in every way. It's better in every way. Every character like is better. Is worse. Better. Okay. Yes. Worse. Better. No, I think that I really felt connected to all the characters in this. Where the second one, it just felt like everyone was just doing the movie thing. I didn't feel like it was a story. I felt like everything was everyone was talking so much and explaining so much. There's just as much in this there movie. Isn't. The ending ends with it. The ending still has the exposition overload, but throughout it's just like I found Dwight and wow, Gwen, Genevieve, Gargameth. This is classic, Charles. You're like, this movie made a deep impression on me. Dude, I don't remember names. I don't remember the names of the characters. I remember Dwight's because they call him Dewey. And then that was sort of used in... Dewdrop. Yeah. Dewdrop. Ooh, we have our first uh, Wahlberg alert. I'm sorry. Sorry. Not Wahlberg. Wahlberg alert. Nope. Um, Wahlberg alert. Nope. You're sort of... Um, You're sort of... You're really attached. Warburton. Warburton. Warburton alert. Listen, Dewdrop. Warburton alert. (laughs) Listen, dude, drop Listen, I've, dude. I've been doing this my whole fucking life. No, you dumb, a, you little piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's the line. You fucking asshole. <laughs> this movie, like, I cannot day. get over this entire series. Every single role is cast so well, yeah. and it is ridiculous. I think that's another reason why I really like this one. Um, yeah, I just felt like the main... I think what, what worked so well for this one was that they really... I really loved that there's the... The way they brought it back to the first movie, using the sets from the first movie, and having a cast that directly represented everyone in this movie, and then you get to like, I don't know, it just felt so much more tight and just like really alive in a way that two felt sprawling and boring and just like, un. it felt committed to talking about something, but didn't feel committed about creating a movie. It was like, I just, they just have all these ideas. Also, the fact that it was about like, Violence in movies was sort of maybe a boring... That's what this is about as well. I know, but just to have, like, speech after speech about violence in movies being the cause of shit, like, this tackled a lot of different issues and did it in ways that weren't quite so deliberate, I think, for me. For me? For me? Two is better, three is slightly worse, and I still loved it. But um, lest we run in the same circle over and over again... We're not doing it We'll acknowledge that Charles is wrong and step forward as a family, all of us hand in hand. Or maybe I'm right. Blessings be to God, who's a woman. Really? I've won over the crowd with that. Capital okay, W. So, uh, the thing about... I, 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 let's talk about three... Um, alone. Alone. For By a little itself, bit. as a standalone. Well, in, in the sense, like, what is three trying to do? Right. I love that, as usual. Um, so, there was a big fan uh, clapback or anger about Randy getting killed off in two, which is another reason why I love two, and it's That's, a great decision. He's the video store guy. Yes, yeah. Jamie Kennedy. So, in this one, we, 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 we get, like... Just one of my favorite possible tropes. Incredible. Someone left behind a tape to be played upon the event of their death. Incredible. (laughs) A plot point that I will never complain about because it is always good to have that sort of thing in anything. It's perfect. And there's something about the Scream series that, and we've talked about this, it it revels in the genre tropes as much as it attempts to deconstruct them or, or confront them. And so something like that, which in a lot of movies you'd be like, well, that's a little sweaty. You're like, this is great. I love this. It's perfect for his character. Like, that's the thing is, his character is such a trope of horror movies that everything he does makes sense in the sense of this movie. And it's it it just I love it. We I don't really want one of these movies without Jamie Kennedy uh, because weirdly playing an obsessive. I guess like a lot of these guys who seem very annoying in real life, when their job is to play an annoying guy who we're not supposed to be charmed by. It works perfectly because mm-hmm. the whole thing with him as a standalone star is that like, you know, you're supposed to find it charming for the entire movie to work like Malibu's Most Wanted is a movie that I mean, I don't want to speak out against the Malibu's what? Most Wanted f- fan base, which is huge passion. You told me before you started recording that you want us you, boo wanted heads. To do, you wanted to do that. They're called boo heads. <laughs> They're called boos Most Wanted. Um, yeah, th- like. He's not charming. He's annoying. And that's why he's so good as like the most annoying fucking guy. Right. And I, we but he turns out too. to be the most beloved too, it turns out. 
Like, well, we don't think, want a movie without him. I think for a lot of irritating white guys who like explaining things uh, in extremely specific terms, yeah. um, he's just as sort of like a, a beacon to guys like us. So, like us? Yeah, you and me, bro. No, that's right. I'm an annoying white couple, guy. A couple annoying white guys with a movie podcast? I would oh, say yeah. he's about as close as it gets. If he hadn't been killed, he would have had his own podcast. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If they, what if would it have been called? What was his name again? Stuart? No, that was Matthew Lillard in the first movie. It was Randy. 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 What is what is what is podcast? That was the best disease on sorry thing. Uh, can you who just sorry? So, quick sidebar. Rip. Have you followed this whole thing with the, the the Bill Murray being a huge piece of shit on the set of that Aziz Ansari movie? Everything Aziz Ansari does now for the rest of his career is just cursed. I don't know what he's done, but it's fascinating. He um he he made the woman god mad. He made the woman god mad because yeah. of the Babe.net article. Uh, people Google it. We don't have enough time to talk about the Babe.net article. But nope. it, it just blew my mind. Like After surviving that very public Me Too episode, he goes on and is like, I'm going to make a movie. And it's the movie where Bill Murray like is a huge fucking piece of shit creepo. I think and Bill gets, Murray like, shut down. Wait, what movie is this? I haven't even heard um, about this. Th- this is sort of a it's well it's there it's in production. Um, Isn't Bill Murray just like generally known to be a complete asshole? No, everyone thinks he's like, random and charming. Oh, really? He's like rando and charming. Huh. He's he's apparently going to be the villain in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Oh God! Or as we like to call it, Green Box. <laughs> So wait, you're, you just think that every sequel now, they're all just sequels of, to Green Box? Well, like, uh, certainly in Which that was world. the first Green Box? Well, uh, 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 Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow. Oh, no. That's literally the I first Green Box. I know, but that was doing something. But that movie was What If Green Box? That's true. What If Green Box Looked Old was really what it was doing. Being Mortal was the Aziz Ansari production. And, and it's, now, when you're using the past tense, it got shut down? I believe that that, I mean, it was the production, I think, stopped because he seemingly was a huge, wow. it's all alleged at this point. But Look at his hat. Fascinating stuff. Can't trust anyone wearing a hat like that, I say. Fascinating stuff. Anyways, uh, Scream the Third. Uh, where to begin? So, um, Stab three. Let's just, I think... Every movie, the fact that the first one is so phone based, and they, they, I think they chose the phone in an era where phones were changing as quickly as phones have ever changed. And they, rather than throw it away or stick to old phones, movie to movie to movie, I've just been like more and more impressed with like, oh, they're, the first scene has cell phones in it and two cell phones in it, which is more than just one. Some would say it's twice as many. Yeah, but also to, to, to be a little seriously, like the voice things changing all the time, and it's so much cooler in this one. And they play with that. I think that's what this movie does really well. Is it plays with all the movies have been like, "Ooh, you think you know who the killer is? Well, you don't." And this has so many scenes now where it's just like, "Wait, is that the fake voice or is that the real voice?" It turns out the murderer we think was a face fake voice of who's the director? Ronan Roman Roman Roman. It turns out it was his real voice because he turned out to be the killer. So, like, this, I think, was the most successful for me as well of, like, me actually being interested in who the murderer was because I'm like, oh, it's the detective. It's got to be the detective. And it's like, wait, they're throwing so much at the detective. It can't be the detective. The great Patrick Dempsey, who yes. I will note, lovely, t- t- took on this role, like, days before shooting, fascinatingly wow. enough. And he does pulled a it off. Great He's job so good. This. He's great, man. You brought up Parker Posey earlier as MVP, but honestly, yeah. there are, like, maybe four people that are in the running for MVP, and I haven't even decided yet. Absolutely. He's and, one uh, of them. Is His, it, who is it? Not Scott Foley. Who is It's that? Wordle Burton. No, the guy, no, part, not part, him. Party, party Wordle Burton. No, shut the fuck. First off, uh, Emily Mortimer is yeah. fucking great in it. She's it was very really funny good. to see her in Wait, this. what is she, what, oh, she's that person. Yeah, she's in a lot of stuff. Who's the yeah. guy who plays the annoying partner who I like so much? The Jewy guy. Oh, yes, he's great he's too. He's so good. Just like I just like the cops in these movies are always yeah. like fucking the most annoying assholes. So good, <laughs> so sick. How did you feel? Um, the last two movies have been pretty much nonstop journalist action. This one took a little bit step aside. No, no, there's still a real journalism of uh, of Gail Weathers uh, stalking people and, <laughs> but like before, it was like trespassing at their homes and spying on their intimate gatherings. That which, was one thing we left. We doubled the amount of cell phones, but we removed all cameramen. Josh Pace. There we go. Sorry, I, I love yeah. this guy. He's great. He's very good. Ugh. But yeah, the, the camera person So element. he was on Ray Donovan, oh, too. He got, oh, he got back oh. together with Liev. Liev. Liev Schreiber. Liv? Liev. Hey. Liv. I don't know. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Not I sure. got excited. I'm just saying the their Gale is now like 
maybe that's another reason why I liked her more in this one. She's like by herself. She has a double in front of her and she's trying desperately to show who she is. Well, the, 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 the abrasive doubling in this movie yes. is continues to be one of the best parts of the Scream series. So the whole thing is like all of our identities are split in these ways yeah. where there's like a pop culture version of us, an intimate version of us, a conceptual. Like the fact that this so literally delves into like creating doppelgangers just Definitely. to explore. And then I love all of the dialogue with Parker Posey being like, my Gail wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. My Gail would do this. And so the fact that all these people who have, as we well know, three movies in have a lot of a shocking amount of depth of their personalities. Like I was joking in the last episode, but like certainly by the end of the third movie, I'm s- so invested in Dewey and Gale. I know that's what I was going to say. This and it works so well. This franchise is about first. I mean, maybe not first, but maybe first. It's a romance between Dewey and Gale. And uh, here's the quote from Courtney Cox: um, "I was just flirting with David in the first one. I was sleeping with him in the second, and we shared a trailer in the third. Oh, wait, really? Which is very charming. They they divorced uh, nine years ago, but uh, they they oh. had a good run there. They had a that's good nice. run there. Yeah. So they were married just before this happened. Uh, so the the whole proposal thing is sort of again another classic Wes Craven embracing yeah. this multifaceted pop because again these movies are like weird like training grounds for actors who are being successful in much more mainstream non genre things getting a chance to go play against type in this in this genre world and we talked about earlier the whole point of Gail Weathers was like Courtney Cox being like I want to play a cold bitch because I'm so you know I'm on friends I want this other place mm-hmm. to be another me right so everyone's going into this with this sense of playing against type and what they're it's just it brings a whole the fact that any of this is successful is so remarkable and it has this like very post Larry Sanders 90s sense of meta filmmaking and, and meta media that I just think works so well. Tori Spelling being in the movie and then the little joking about Tori Spelling. Oh after- yeah, and fucking, uh, we haven't talked about, um, <laughs> fuck, uh, Princess Leia. Uh, the unbelievable cameo of Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Who, look, we were talking before we recorded today and... Um, while I personally think Scream 2 is up there in the running for best sequel ever, we definitely both agree that uh, Ocean's 12 is maybe, you know, years into doing the show, arguably the best case of second movie bust out brilliance that we've seen. I as think far as... without doing any homework research or thinking about it further than just now best sequel is oceans 12 yeah like it just detonates the first movie entirely and if the first movie is the sleek neo-noir like you know it's a it's a clockwork masterpiece the second one's like what if we went to europe and had fun like it's, it's completely <laughs> around for yeah, an hour the, the, the first one's like every fucking pin the second one's like yeah but in in italian right and then of course it's so charming like Maybe my favorite meta moment of film is they're like, well, we have one option. Uh, Julia Roberts' character could pretend, could pretend to be Julia Roberts, which is just such a simple, incredible concept that becomes an overarching huge plot point in that movie. It's so audacious and silly and awesome. Yep. And so for this movie, which, you know, again, where this is a 22-year-old film, when uh, they go down to find Carrie Fisher and they're like, you know, you look like... And then she's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, she, I have her on my wall. <laughs> yeah. I have a photograph of Carrie Fisher on my wall and I am not Carrie Fisher. It's so funny. But it's a, it's a funny joke, but it also, like, in a movie that every single character has a doppelganger, to, I think it just continues that idea of, like, this mistaken identity and just every... There's an inside, there's an outside, and there's a sharing. And this was as you said, it's so far ahead of its time, just like the spaces that we create for people to see and then the spaces that we don't. I think every character has the the like public version of themselves running around getting murdered while they're also around watching it all happen. Yeah, and then like the killer adapting the order of kills to reflect the plot of these stand-in for Scream movies within the Scream universe. Like, it's fascinating. Like, there's yeah. just so many levels of reality operating at one given time. And, then and the, it, it doesn't feel cheap. It feels, like, right. invested in and, and, and really richly imagined. And I think it also has to do with the trauma. Like, every single character has undergone trauma, and they all have to have outward-facing persona that can exist in the real world. And then all of them have places that they can't let out or or like dewey like his job is being the guy who survived the the hillsborough murders who's now working for the is a technical advisor on the set of the third movie in a sequel based on him 
He's another great actor. Yeah, that guy was great too. Guy, he was really that. Funny. Oh wait, he's in um, a Wit Stillman movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it Scott Foley? I don't remember. Or is it Matt Ka- Keesler? That's it. It's Matt, Matt Keesler. Yeah. 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 He's um. He was the NBC page in quiz show. Of course he was. He was in the. He was Johnny Savage in Waiting for Guffman. So there's multiple Guffman alumni in this movie. Uh huh. That's interesting. Makes sense. Yeah. He was in Last Days of Disco. Well, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Huh. Good. Wow, good for but him. I, but I think the main one is this mother character who in the first movie sort of, I think, has emotional weight that is carried on to the the characters. But this is like she is so deeply explored in this one. The, the dream sequence is amazing. And then you learn that she's just like, a, a I guess, not a survivor because ultimately all of her decisions, everything that, not her decisions, but like what happened to her in Hollywood is the cause of supposedly like all that trauma killed her. And the fact that every single character is just sort of like has a death doppelganger out there that they can all see and touch and be like, oh, that's the that's the version of myself that everyone knows. But down deep, there's like so much hurt and pain. And like it's even the joke of Carrie Fisher carries that sort of sadness, I think. Well, and then she, of course, makes the joke that, you know, well, Carrie Fisher fucked George Lucas. Yeah, exactly. It's like every every joke, right. every every character. Parker Posey says that. Um, yeah. And so th- there's this concept of like, you know addressing the reality that the 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 horrible brutal business of hollywood is this collective shared story dream space that defines our real world actions it both embraces criticisms of violence in in film while complicating them critiquing them and analyzing them in a way that you just don't see this interestingly done that that yeah. often and we, what we have to talk about i don't did you do any reading about this for the no, okay none, none, none so none. what happened just bef- like okay so what major american cultural event in 1999 happened before the release of this movie that might have had a huge impact on it mm, the matrix sick <laughs> of violence close Col- uh, columbine well i mean yeah i guess yeah. it was close well no i mean 100 percent it was close because it had a huge impact on this movie and it's a big and part the matrix of its is 100 percent responsible for columbine exactly so um basically the studio almost got to the point where they were like no violence at all just make this funny and Wes Craven was like guys it's a scream movie but this is a probably the least violent installment of the three there's much less like I mean man there's some really brutal kills I I think that's why I liked this I think the kills were you know I'm a fucking I'm a Japanese horror guy I'm an Italian horror guy where the kills are outlandish and gruesome and weird it's it a me I'm the Italian exactly. horror guy this, oh no uh, it's a zombie I always find I think it, when an American horror is at its best it's like uh, Jason just like brutalizing someone at very last, quickly so and quietly not to date this too much but I recorded uh, recorded we're recording the day after Halloween and last night after a wonderful evening of dispersing candy, yeah your costumes people, were so nice we were a devil and a unicorn Allison led the charge on the costumes um, and I was playing oh, I thought you were like a sports guy again because I had, had Phillies, devil horns you had a Phillies jacket on or something what was your jer- your shirt was like a it said steely Dan but it was underneath oh. a red like red fabric like the devil and is wearing a red hat and red horns so hmm. okay for some reason I thought you were like a, a Phillies, Phillies fan. fan yeah okay good stuff you're a Reds fan uh nope nope uh Satan you're Satan, Satan. sorry yeah. okay okay well you looked great it was a really subtle costume you looked so I'm, great. I'm happy we could uh whittle down to the core of it I thought you were a sporto uh well but no maybe satan is a sport if uh if uh if uh hailing the dark lord is a sport then uh sign me up coach well you already signed up you just did it last coach anywho so i watched uh some of the i watched a compilation of jason kills while (laughs) getting ready for the holiday i will say staggeringly the the compilation reel which one only picked one death per movie which is like come on what what are you doing but they didn't pick the liquid nitrogen death for jason x and i was like that's the best one and they picked yeah, a, bunch. a tick on me you do oh look at that you really do have a tick on you he just pulled a tick right off him huh this what is a I... big episode yeah what do i do with it well Maybe, i would like say put it in the bag something? and then yeah. put the bag outside of is my this room. trash that's trash right yeah. that'll die okay well, no put now put the bag outside the room just get rid like an just airlock put the bag outside the room like an adjacent x airlock situation here we go Whoa. Okay, quite the almost lost my there. arm. Wow, what you you really uh, rolled a good dexterity roll there. I, did. I was going to talk about D and D earlier, but it's it's gone now. Uh, Maybe I'll talk about it later. My family 
abruptly reversed course in our oh, disaster yeah, I was Thanksgiving ask you plan. About, so you were so, texting <laughs> me the other night and I fell asleep. So what happened so was... So I couldn't continue our conversation. My parents had allowed an open door Thanksgiving policy. Great. I'm coming. Just so good. It's such a great plan for like... <laughs> like literal open door? The, 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 the full count for dinner before the reverse course... 28? 19. Okay. And Keep my parents still. like basically... That's so many people. For weeks... All I had been saying was, guys, this is too many people. There's so much going on right now. What is like three of those people, four of those people would be returning from international travel to our table. Disgusting. I mean, it it just like, oh, it was inviting a lot of chaos. And I think my parents finally (laughs) sat down, did all the math and were like, we're blowing it up. So I'm now very relieved that that that's good. But, but it, it does mean it. that you know my brother Mike has been oh, planning D and D campaign. Shit. So we'll see what happens with that. And listener, I will update you. Well, if you want me to come, I know that okay. I might. Um, I might be. It's solely the premises with your grubby little hands. Well, this actually is relevant because you're talking about how C- Courtney Cox got it. I'm extremely proud of you. Me that too. You remembered arguably the most famous person involved in any of this um she wanted to do this after being friends friend and she wanted to be mean reporter iris i'm in a camp i mean i was in a campaign where i'm a uh a vegan paladin wow who beats ass if they're bad but is very loving and nice if they're good we did a one-off campaign with the same group um where i became an old mean wizard and I almost decided to kill my my friends. That's awesome. You yeah. should have. We didn't. We ran out of time. I actually, I was like, gave a little whisper to the DM. I was like, how, like, do we have? How fucked up would this be if I turned on all my friends and tried to murder them? He said, "That sounds fun, but we only have like forty five minutes left, and that would take too long." But D- I was very yeah. excited. I've like no, never actually played D anD D. The problem with it is that he just wanted to do two things that day, and unfortunately, we didn't have time to do everything. But that's like that's the fun like i totally get the courtney cox like you that's this is the beauty of role playing it's the beauty of acting is that you can do many different things so i felt a bit like a courtney cox on sunday that's like the whole miracle of scream right where like people can go into this world with fairly defined typesets and really actually find an immense amount of freedom in that and again like the ability to generate character nuance over this series has been just really impressive. And as like a joyless 32-year-old watching the Scream movies as right. as an adult, I, I'm, I'm finding like well-sketched portraits of people that are nuanced and develop over time in interesting and unexpected ways. Yeah. What a delight. Delightful. Fucking kidding me with this shit? This fucking character development? Get out of town. I, I, I almost, I didn't. I almost cried at the end of this movie. Wow. How touching and lovely. Yeah, it is an yeah, this might be fucking. Rude. This whole series has been such a blast. It's so almost cheap in how like just leaving the door open, but like that, it's haunting. Like she, she decides not to turn on the security alarm, and like okay, that's a nice little metaphor. And then the door just blows open, and it's like, what is this? The kind ghost of your mother return? Like what? This I don't know. It just brought up so well, but, many but, but, emotions. But most importantly, it reengineers this thing of doors flying open or shut. Yeah, which has been a runner. So first off, Scream Three. Let's get this out of the way. It maintains the most crucial part of these movies: women running around screaming, throwing things behind them, and trying locked doors. Which <laughs> yeah, is that's true. A, what, a the violence was was turned down, but damn, the like running around in hallways was amped the fuck up. I would love someone out there who's smarter than I. Could even be you, Charles. I think it might be me if I'm. If know you where could you're make heading. a Supercut, I can do cause, this. Cause there's the famous the Tom Cruise running supercut, which is yeah. one of the all time great supercuts. It's just like it's like 40 minutes. Yeah, of I, I could do Cruise that. Running. Too. Yeah. But no, it's already, it, that already exists. I know I won't do it, but I I'm could saying, do that. I want the women running down hallways great. in single shots, pushing things behind yep. them. Got it. It's so good. I'll make that for you. Um, that's great. But yeah, so like doors are constantly flying the open secret, and shut. At the fucking secret hatches. Dude, the scene where they go into the house and it's a set and it's like almost a house, but then when she opens that door and like... It almost flies out into a void. I love that scene. Well, it's funny because to me, in the second one, which I liked and you didn't like, the, the whole idea... <laughs> yes, bring that up. No, no, but I'm saying the specific yeah, yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that at the end of two, you have 
uh, Sydney on stage playing a role and the line between the role she's playing in the play and the role she's playing in the world of Scream almost dissolves entirely mm. and she can no longer tell the difference. And for the end of three, for her to come back to the house in one and be and have those great shots of her confronting the, the iconic source of the original trauma that launched yeah. this entire series to have that moment where she bursts out of the door and it's just empty. It's wonderful. It's fascinating. It, it, it's the kind of like, it, it's really good filmmaking. And it says something about her experience that would be, I think, uh, almost unbearable in words. Yeah. Where, it you captures know, that. She, she's once again on a set, once again forced into a role she never chose to play and trying to, to sit, figure out in her mind what's real and what's fake. Right. Because over the course of the series, the whole question of, you know, is Sydney crazy? You know, what's her involvement in all of this seemingly, you know, supernatural shit? Um, it, it illustrates that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I think, and it doesn't, talk about it too which i really respect is like there's not a scene where she's like whoa i I felt like i was back in my old house and there used to be a floor here it's like we just understand that she's so comfortable in this house because she's been in it and almost like she's had these experiences there the fact that it's slightly different must be such a mind fuck like in a way that isn't really even discussed it's just looks so cool but also really gets us into this character it was so good yeah. Um, also, it. it's a movie that can pull off the reveal of multiple people revealing that they've been wearing bulletproof vests and both times. Yeah. Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The fucking this gun, the, the metal detector thing was the so hoot. good. It was like at first, I was like, OK, this is a little but silly. Such a good trick. And then it was just like, OK, she yeah. she throws away one gun to bust out the big gun. And, and then, of course, the kind of stupid gag that only this movie, this series could pull off of. Dewey unloading an entire clip into this guy's chest. Everyone's like, Dewey, shoot him in the fucking head. He's like, oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and shoots him in the head. Like, it's like, it's so good. It shouldn't work. And yet, like, we're, we're just so, the tone is just so effortless that yeah. we're like, yeah, this is great. So let's talk about the violence a little bit because we sort of went away from it. But I really loved, I think one of the reasons why I was talking a little bit about American violence being more like cold and brutal when it's successful. And I think this had that. The first, the second one especially was like, trying to have bigger kills in a lot of ways but for me they just sort of were like okay that's a bigger kill here the scene where he's shooting the mirrors no violence so effective that scene i love that scene where she's hiding and she can see it it was sort of like the one and two with the soundproof glass but i don't know the visual elements of that really worked for me and the fact that the violence was much more like one stab and that's it rather than just like blood going everywhere i think it really works it, it got me i don't know i, I thought it was a Maybe it was because of Columbine. Maybe it was a production decision, but I think it was honestly a good edit to tone that shit down to really heighten everything else up. Yeah, I, I hear you to some degree. I, I don't entirely agree, but I agree with you that this movie works in and of itself. Yeah. And, I, and regardless, like if your concern is that those external forces would somehow take away that entire thing, it certainly does no, not. It might have even honed it. But yeah, I, I, either way, I think it, it works on its own. And yeah, it's... it's uh, it makes MVD an interesting choice because there are yeah. so many similar ones. Um, I mean, I could bring up the exploding houses, maybe one of the coolest exploding houses. Like, we don't get shit like that anymore. Well, it's just such a fun, silly yeah. scene. And, like, the fact that there's, like, a good facts joke in this movie yeah. is great. Like, it's a good facts joke. Like, I want to know what happens. I keep going into read right. the faxes. Like, th- that's the thing about, you know, you think about the scary movie world or whatever. Like, when the thing you're parodying is very, very aware that it's silly it makes it so much harder to make fun of and screen three like again willfully embracing shit like that where like they know the one thing they shouldn't do is go back into the house but they can't they're, they're actors who want to find out what happens in the script right it's funny it works yeah and- what was sarah sarah's the character's name who plays i don't remember who she's playing the counterpart of but the one who dies um on the phone with roman where he's she's like reading script the script with him over the phone Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That that's uh, the blonde, the blonde lady. Yeah, who's her counterpart? Um, she was she's playing Candy. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just that scene is. I think you know we've been sort of talking in some ways how this is ahead of its time, and in an interesting way, it's also that the, the world took twenty years to catch up because, like, every, well, you know, when the Me Too stuff came out, it's like it wasn't that everyone just found out in twenty 
what, thir- 14, what was the year was it? 2013, 2015? Is that everyone knew for 20 years and just no one felt like they were powerful enough to say anything. And so that this movie could just like really talk about what was happening in Hollywood in this way and have it be just like them casually talking about the movie industry, which is a funny scene, but every scene sort of just also talks about how disgusting and awful the movie industry is. Yeah, it frames all of the ridiculous movie shit with an extremely believable depiction of like a predatory violent system based on exploitation and trauma. Yeah, so yeah, it's nuts to revisit 20 plus years later and see like, oh, you know, this brought that conversation. This was ironically the biggest hit Miramax had had in its existence to date was Scream 3. Really? Yeah, this was, I mean, this is a a hugely anticipated film, regardless of the fact that, generally speaking, critics and fans tend to rank it lower. Um, this Not this was, fan. Not this oh, critic. Boy. Shut up. Oh, boy. So, yeah, basically, um, this is kind of funny. Williamson was busy working on stuff like uh, the TV series Wasteland, which I which was uh, barely on television. It was on TV for, like, two and a half months. Oh, wow. Uh, so this was, this, he, this was essentially his blank check. He got to make his... American drama and it seems like it's pretty like he was trying to take on Gen X issues of like a and it just barely exists I don't Sasha Alexander Marissa Coughlin Rebecca Gayhart Eddie Mills I mean these are not people oh Adam Scott had a bit role <laughs> that's there you Whoa. go so this is on like in, in 99 and was canceled pretty quickly but he's also working on teaching Miss Tingle which is an, another cult uh, black black comedy of, of the era. So he was sort of trying to branch out from Scream and do other stuff, and so that's why he only offers essentially an outline of, of the of the movie that, by and large, seems like it got pretty uh, thrown out. He said in 2013 his movie would have seen the killers be a stab fan club of Woodsboro kids, and all the members of the club would have been involved in the killings, and the final twist would be that Sidney would walk into the house after Ghostface and all of the dead kids in the house would rise up together to like surround her. So I think that sounds cool. And maybe this was just accidental, but like, again, going back to me too, the fact that it's the director who's pissed at his producer for being an even more awful person. And it's just like the fact that the culprits in this movie are the people in charge of Hollywood, I think is just like, why would you want to make it anything else? If you're like really leaning into how bad, and traumatic and traumatic this experience is well, for that's what i'm saying women. i think that aspect of it i think it would have been there would be a way for them entering that cursed horrible nightmare space at the end to been played up a little bit more i think and have that that's the, true the deep emotional resonance of that like to me that felt like oh, you're running right by the, the one part of this that's like really gut churning and like real and like that's all i want like nothing crazy just like a little bit more spice in that part of the flavor palette mm-hmm. um I thought you might find this interesting. Wes Craven almost played the Lance Hendrickson role. They almost had Wes Craven Whoa. play the Lance was great. The rapey producer. Yeah, Lance is great. I mean, I you know, again, last night I was sitting on my porch dressed like the devil, uh, listening to the Alien mm-hmm. Three soundtrack. And every time I got to that end that that ending music, I'm just like yeah. imagining fucking Lance Hendrickson watching old Sigourney swan dive into the abyss. <sighs> that movie's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Um, Wes was in it. He was, uh, I think, in the tour guide along with Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, um, which is a weird cameo. (laughs) You gotta love a Kevin Smith cameo. (laughs) So funny. I mean, look for for what it's worth. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is one of my. I watched that a billion times when I was a kid, and we talk about sequels on this fucking show. The Goodwill Hunting Two Hunting Season bit in Jan Sob Bob Strike Back is one of the funniest I things. Mean, it's funny all right there. Ever. It's funny. It it is a scene that makes me laugh. I watch it on YouTube all the time. It's like a perfect little in it in it obviously a classically deeply flawed Kevin Smith movie. It it is one of the best bits of the whole thing. And the fact that it's actually Gus Van Sant and actually Matt Damon and actually Ben Affleck and actually the guy from the Dem Apple scene. Like <laughs> They like lo- faithfully recreate. I don't know. I live for that kind of shit. Yeah, I mean that's sort of the scream shit. Yeah, it's not a surprise. So I, I, I don't really understand. I know Jay and Silent Bob were big in '99 or 2000, so I get why. Other than, but I felt like the Carrie Fisher cameo is a, a more interesting choice. Do you know who almost played uh, that role? Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. They were really going for okay. iconic, uh, which yeah. I love. I always forget that she's married to Christopher Guest because we're talking about like because we have still, yeah. 
because huh. we're in the Posey verse, essentially. Like, yeah, Parker Posey. I want to do a quick sidebar on Parker Posey. We got to. just she... one of the best of all time. Truly one of the greats. Um, her. This is a huge pivotal moment in her career because this year. Interesting, she, really. What's she's she been in up Scream to? Three and Best in Show this year. So okay, she she becomes her and her nickname was like the queen of the indies because like right she was a Hal Hartley well, she was person Days and Confused yes she's in uh, all of those Hal Hartley movies yeah um, she's in Kicking and Screaming the Doom Generation uh, Suburbia Basquiat the, she, the House just, of Yes she nailed a, guy, a zeitgeist right and then and then Waiting for Guffman which of course you know that's a pivotal '90s indie movie good, that launches so many careers right. But like so, so the, and then she's in. So then after that, ninety eight, and she's in. You've got mail. And now she's in Stream Three. So this is sort of. And then she's in uh, Josie and the Pussycats, and starts getting becoming that character actress, right. which is great. Um, oh, a little beep 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 beep. Blade Trinity. Blade Trinity. A little crossover. Yep, yep. Um, uh, yeah, and then uh, you know she's had a, a strange career over over go, sort of veering in and out of bit parts in big movies. It does feel like she has never fully quite been embraced on the mainstream stage. Uh, but that's I think the way it's she should be. Incredibly hard to go from the '90s indie scene was such a scene to try to turn that into a mainstream career. Some do it, but um, Parker Posey, I don't think she ever quite had. The I don't know. She wasn't going to change who she was. It seems like. I mean, this must be the highest grossing movie she's ever been in. This this made at least 162 million at the box office, and I mean, with a scream movie, you have to assume the home market was massive as well. She's she's got a great um, flailing energy about her. Her her running scenes were really good. She's an amazing runner. Yeah. Um. Almost every time she's angry, she's like the greatest yeah. actress in the universe. She's and in she the brilliant pa- Josie and the Pussycats. Which and is Cor- such she's a, a great movie. counter to Courtney Cox, who is really different in a lot of ways. But I think they they're my favorite pair. Okay, Superman far. Returns did the most money. Well, just by, by the end of the, this movie, her running around hand in hand with Courtney Cox. Yeah, as, as, it was so good. Them holding hands it was just like. I wonder if that was in the script, or they just figured out that that would have been the best way to do it. But they they become two halves wonderful. of a whole. It's wonderful when the fake. Um, Nev Campbell's character. Fuck her. I had her name. God damn it, dude. I had it. Joe. 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 Nope. Not Josie and the Pussycats, a thing That's, we were looking at in my head. Ago. No, it's I was going to say Sydney Jody. Prescott, Sydney. For Christ's sake. Not Jody. Sydney. When the fake Sydney gets dragged away. Like, that's the kind of violence that really worked in this movie. And then they scream and run away with their hands together. It's so good. Parker's the new Aster. Parker's the new Aster? Parker's in the new Aster. Parker is in the new Aster. Disappointment Boulevard is an upcoming American comedy horror film written, directed, and produced by Ari Aster of Hereditary and Midsummer fame. So that's what she did. Let me get this right. Joaquin Phoenix? You got it. Crazy. Nathan Lane, Patty Lapone. Get out of town. Parker Posey, you're kidding me with this. Parker survived. Richard Kine's in this bitch. Shut up. Sorry that I'm excited about Richard Kine's. Parker survived these sort of boring she didn't get in with the auteurs of the, the teens, but has now found herself, I think, in the auteurs of the, tw- of the 20s. I mean, I think if you're a fan of, of Joy, you want Parker Posey in your movie. Now I'm getting warm in my jacket. Yeah, it's hot. the sun came out. We're talking sun, Parker. Well, I'm going to take a walk after this. You want to join me? Yeah. Okay. I think I do. Yeah. I'm going to walk around the old block. So, um, yeah, what is, we, we were talking MVDs and then we got distracted. Um, the MVD's tough for this because I, I, I think, and I, 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 I'm not trying to constantly go back to the things we disagree about, but like two has some just, awesome deaths in it and I just feel like this one. We just disagree. So tell me what yeah. you want. Tell me what um, you're what loving. Best valuable death. Um, maybe Warburton because I think the reveal of him staggering, that shot of him. Because yeah. the thing about this movie that's so good is that Craven in making a deliberate pop culture object to art that's a genre parody we get so many great shots the the shots yeah. of, of the feet walking on the floor all, all those tracking that shots that opening is really phenomenal. good phenomenal yeah. the reveal we stand in paralyzed mute horror like the people in the movie as Patrick Warburton the big tough strong guy like horrifyingly staggers into the doorway before collapsing yeah. do drop that's do, another do drop. wonderful double. Maybe the best double is uh, the dude. Do, I don't know. They're so good. All of them are so good. They're but so good. The, yeah, the Dewdrop Dewey double is uh, yes, incredible. and and I love all the little things where Gail is mad. Stone. What's his name? Sylvester Stone. I can't remember. I think so. But that, that's my MVD. I'll give it to Patrick Warburton. Okay. I love, I love, love, love Patrick Warburton. Uh, I used to watch the 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 Tick TV show growing up. And yeah, I think he, he made a huge impact on me. I am. Um, uh, 
I don't know. They're all pretty similar. So maybe I'm just going to give it to the house exploding. Cause so that's just did, the one guy. Just the one guy. So, the okay, whole house yeah. for one guy. That's true. Yeah. It's a huge explosion. I love that it later was in the movie she, uh, when Gail was like, why are you following me to Parker Posey's character? She's like, I got fucking nothing else to do. My yeah. home's blown up. I got yeah. nothing. <laughs> My whole thing is now chasing you around. Right. It's oh, great. And she's going to do better for it. Yeah. Now, earlier, I, of course, committed my MVP to the uh, the great Parker Posey, who truly makes every moment of her screen time an absolute delight. I cannot stress enough. You know, Allie sat down. She'd never seen Scream or Scream 2. And she was like, is this going to really matter? And I was like, you know, a little yeah, bit. But actually, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, but, it can work on its own, but you get so much out of it after having true, seen it. But, but you know they're going to reliably explain most of it, which That's is true. nice. But, like, for someone who had no involvement in the series, the second Parker, Parker Posey shows up, you know exactly what you as an audience member are supposed to do. And it's mm-hmm. just so, I don't know. I, I think she's just. Just get a second tub of popcorn and enjoy exacto mundo yeah. so who's your mvp you made a suggestion i'm, I'm actually gonna i decided in my brain <gasps> you're dumping demps dumping patrick dumpsy mm-hmm. yeah his haircut's real nice and his i like amazing. i like his haircut and i like his character but i'm going sydney played by nev last name campbell hey look at you yeah i think i've always i've liked her she's played the um, sad, quiet, you know, femme, not femme fatale, femme, no. Kind of the opposite of a femme fatale. Yeah, whatever, a damsel in distress, I guess. She's played it well, but I think her arc with the mother, the flashbacks, the dream sequence, um, and just her journey was so good. I really, I hadn't really felt connected to anyone's story so far, and this movie got me connected with everyone's story, but I think hers was the most important and powerful and i really loved it well there's also the quiet coup of this movie introducing a different genre into the existent world because the the full-on ghost sequences with her mom you know are i had no idea what to think exactly which before you're like oh it's probably something but i don't even know it it could have been a ghost like it isn't really explained and it's funny because that that eeriness replacing the outright violence yeah you know, again, maybe while I miss the more brutal kills of the first two, I very much like that in that pivot, we get this very atmospheric, eerie it stuff. It felt Bava-ish. The, yeah, well, again, it's so just, it's Craven who's like, my... I'm, I'm going to have so much fun shooting a fucking ghost scene now. I get to shoot yeah. ghosts now. Oh, it reminded know. me of like some, some early Jallo. Yeah. I just think all in all, this was, uh, th- this trilogy is one of the strongest that we've watched for the show. I love that. I think there's a lot of continuity. I think all of the, I think the reason we so often get jaded about, uh, our own, the own premise of the stupid show is that, like, when things go bad, all of that faith and investment is just, you just feel like it's right. been dumped on the floor. That's why the question is so important. Yeah. Because if you're already, if you're feeling like you need it, you're like, why is this happening? When is this going to be over? That's, not only is it a bad movie, but it is such a waste of an investment in a franchise. Yeah, so like with Terminator and RoboCop, those second films are just so frustrating if you enjoyed the first one. And in this one, every... Again, yeah, and Austin Powers, uh, another bad too. Yeah. And Jaws, though. This one... Really <laughs> Don't forget about Andy. <laughs> Sometimes you get a little Andy in your life with the two. Yeah, God, so many people love Jaws. I've been seeing it all summer, and, really I, and I was like, it's, that movie's fucking, come on. It's fine. Anyways. Um, he drinks whiskey and wine together in a pint glass, and that's the highlight of the movie. It is, and yeah. also a delicious, refreshing uh, summer beverage. Oh, is it? it is. I've never tried it. I recommend it. Oh, uh, four fingers of scotch. It will alarm your family and loved ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can I get a glass of the Pinot Grige, and also... And then just every five minutes, just fill it up to the brim with pour whiskey. whiskey on top of the wine. That's a great ratio. So, yeah, like all the investments that we made in Scream are huge, quintessential parts of Scream 3. They all, they keep growing. Dividends. Do you know that Monopoly card? I sure do. The one where you get collect, collect $10? Dividends. Yeah. This is like that card. It is, baby. So over let me ask you this question. Over and over Are you asking when will it end or are you, uh, is the door open for the, the classic, we waited a decade and now the gang's back together, mm-hmm. Scream 4? So, right. I think that's one thing in answering that question. While we end the episode, and I, I don't mean to keep bringing it back, but I'm going to do it briefly, just talk about what I really loved. For me, too, was so committed to being like, whoa, sequels are this, and they're usually bad, and we're just going to do the outlandish big sequel. The fact that this made it to trilogy and looped back to one, because we've noticed that sometimes three and often four, honestly, we found four is also this, where it's like, it's time to go back. 
and I love a go back. So that I think that's another reason why this worked for me so well was that it rather than trying to just like what can we do that's bigger and build things bigger in the same direction? It's like, hold on, there's stuff to refocus on that we already did but didn't really do very well. Or not well, but like, there's more to unearth from this franchise. So rather than build new stuff, let's dig down into the fucking mud. Yeah? So I'm not asking. <laughs> let's get fucking muddy. Let's get muddy. Yeah, I- I'm with you. I'm really, I have not seen Scream 4. We're now leaving my area of familiarity, mm. so I'm excited to see... Uh, now that I'm fully re-screamed, what it's like to see the the reunion. Not asking when will it end, and I'm actually pretty excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. Wahoo! The sister, great. I don't know if she was the same actor, but the fact that um, Randy's sister, she's Randy's great. sister yeah, shows she's up, phenomenal. Yeah, I think she's comes back. Great. So yeah, bring it on, baby. Back to Hillsboro. Let's do it. Let's yeah, go. I love that's why I'm, I'm not asking when will it end. It's we've we've spent enough time, and now I'm ready for this. Hopefully, to go in a direction that's going to be fun for me. Charles, yeah, I'm ready. I also hope it's fun for you. And <laughs> you now usually don't. It's time to end. Go for the a walk. Episode. <laughs>